We are very excited to announce our newest sponsor of the podcast, White Paws Run Myths. You may recall Red Myths because their founder, Susan Clayton, was a guest on our podcast in 2020. Susan's story is very interesting. She decided to start a small business and she started Red Myths because as a runner and coach herself, she realized that she couldn't find a glove or mitten that allowed her to take her gloves off and put them back on when her hands got intermittently hot and cold, which happens to so many of us as the temperature changes. So particularly this fall and this winter, I know I will be wearing my run mitts to run every time I head out. They are so convenient and they're also really cool because they have a flap. So when you decide that your mittens are getting your hands too warm, you just simply lift the flap up and push them up your arms and voila, you don't have to run around holding your gloves or mittens as many of us do when we take them off. They're also great for racing. So check out run mitts at runmitts.com and use the code RFF10 to get a 10% discount on your order. That's runmits.com and use the code RFF10. Thank you so much to RunMits for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I am great. I am feeling the Boston excitement. How are you? I'm feeling anxious, excited, and I'm really relieved about that because I will tell you probably up to this week, I wasn't feeling like Boston was that close and kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to run a marathon this month? Like what? But now that we've started preparing race prep for all of our Boston runners, and of course we did a call this week with all of our Boston runners, it it really got real for me. And I realized that I'm getting very excited to return to Boston to run the marathon. How about you? Same, same thing. It didn't feel like it was real. And it feels like it's out of the um, normal routine of our year. Like, you know, it's fall. It's even summer. It's fall. It doesn't feel like it's Boston time. And to realize um, on Monday, like just two weeks from this past Monday and now a week from this current Monday, we're going to be back in Boston. Uh, got me really excited. And like you said, the call that we did with our runners, that was so fun to see everybody's faces. Many of our runners that are running Boston, we have actually not met in person, but we will when we are in Boston. And it was just so fun to be on that call and talking about Boston and reminiscing about our past Boston experiences. And um, it's, it's just been a long time. So I'm really, I'm feeling the, that Boston excitement that I, we usually feel in April. Me too. So we just did part one of our preparing for Boston tips. Uh, especially after for most people, if not all 18 months of not running a marathon, at least. So these tips are specific for people who've had a long hiatus as well as specific to Boston, but they can be applicable to most, if not all marathons. But before we dive into part two, we just wanted to kind of recap the week since we did part one last week and a couple of big things happened in the running world. Uh, First of all, we were stunned by the announcement of the cancellation of the Marine Corps Marathon, which is, of course, our local huge marathon, and and it seemed like it was going. Uh, Race Director Rick Nielis stated right after the cancellation of Army that they were doing everything possible to ensure that Marine Corps would still continue, and then a week later, boom, it canceled, and oh my gosh, I was really surprised. Were you? So I was and I wasn't. I expected that um, after Army announced that it was going virtual, I think we both sort of had the feeling that Marine Corps was next. And, um, you know, really has to do from what we have understood, like any of the races that have military involvement, military is making call on certain, you know, on staffing, on on procedures on policies. And, um, and, and so my original thought was that yes, Marine Corps was in jeopardy, but like you said, um, the race director had come out not long after that and really reassured everybody that the expo was canceled, which was something that, you know, we, we had known about, um, but that they had said that the races were slated to go on and they were, you know, had done everything that they needed to do and everything was in order. And so that sort of gave me that sense of confidence of an, okay, they're canceling the expo. Um, they've come out and said, we've done everything that we need to, everything's taken care of. So that the really abrupt about face chain, you know, with the cancellation was, um, was that itself was a little bit of a surprise after a few days of thinking like, okay, I think we're good. And, um, you know, really hard for, uh, our runners. We, we don't have a ton of runners this year training for Marine Corps. We have, um, several, but not, um, as many as you might think living in the DC area. Um, but, um, you know, for those runners now to have to kind of change plans and figure out plan B, uh, is, you know, is obviously disappointing for, you know, for our runners and for us and, um, you know, for anyone who signed up for Marine Corps, I know people are 
starting to think about um, a plan B and looking for other marathons to run. Um, Richmond is one that is relatively local and just a few weeks later. Um, so that's one option for runners. We did see that um, Bishop's Events, which is in our area and has been doing races throughout COVID successfully, very safely and socially distanced on the um, towpath here, the canal towpath, um, I has indicated that they may add a marathon distance to their October 30th race. So for anybody who's in the area and who's interested in doing an in-person race that will count for the, um, the, you know, the Marine Corps virtual, um, if you don't mind running out and back along the canal, which is, you know, in and of itself, sort of a, a different type of experience. Um, just, it's a, you know, it's a hard packed dirt and um, just flat straight out and back, uh, a little bit smaller race. But if you don't mind doing that, that seems like that should be an option. Yeah, as I mentioned, reach out if you have any questions with respect to what race to choose if you're at a loss. And, you know, unfortunately, this is a symptom of life right now, post-COVID, as we navigate through these races. There's a lot of individual decisions that need to be made and a lot of reliance on communities. And in this case, the military and perhaps a little bit the city of Arlington and some maybe some permitting issues, we're not sure, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. It was canceled and we need to kind of move forward and figure out next steps. And that's sort of where we are with, with all of our running. And I think if we all could uh, get through 2020, we can, we can get through this too. So um, I'll admit, even though Boston is next week, even though everything, all signs point toward Boston happening, there's like a small part of me that won't believe it until I'm on that plane headed there. So. Not even when I'm at the start line, maybe I'll, I, I, I do. And that's, I think, part of the reason I haven't been able until now to get really excited is because I just wasn't sure it was, we've gone through this a lot. We went through this in April of 2020. We went through this in September of 2020, every time thinking like it's going to happen and then finding out that it wasn't. So I think we all have a little bit of, you know, PTSD of race cancellations of not knowing really if they're going to go off. And like you said, seeing that um, Marine Corps was canceled, um, we're pretty confident that those races that are coming up pretty soon, this coming weekend, next weekend, look like they're a go, but until we're at the start line. Um, but I will say that, um, just this past weekend, Berlin went off seemingly without a hitch. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that is, you know, the first world marathon major, first large, really large um, marathon to happen. And we had uh, one of our runners was out there running it and had a really great experience, smooth experience, um, you know, just very easy COVID protocols uh, and, and really had a great, a great race and said it felt like it was a little bit of normalcy finally coming back. So to see that, um, that happen gives me some reassurance that uh, races with the right, like you said, the authorities that are that are in sync with the races that they'll be able to be um, to go off safely. We had a lot of fun tracking uh, some of the top runners in Berlin. And of course, we were tracking our own runners. And then uh, BD Deutsch, uh, past podcast guest uh, two times, as well as Chelaine Flanagan. And interestingly, um, we enjoyed watching Shalane because Shalane, of course, has the goal of completing the six world marathon majors um, within the next six weeks. And of course, because Tokyo was canceled, she's doing that virtually. But Shalane, uh, for those who may not remember, she had two, not one, but double knee surgeries. And so she's not someone who's coming to these start lines necessarily super fresh, but man, you would never know because she's a phenomenal runner, but she's also clearly a smart runner. And of course she's a coach and, uh, putting that together, her first 5k, she ran at a pace of 630 average pace of 630, which is for someone like Shalane, very easy for her yet her overall marathon pace for the entirety of the race was 605, which indicates how much she, um, fed up throughout the race and what a beautiful negative split she had. And uh, Berlin's a flat race. So it would be very easy in Berlin to run an even effort or even bank a little bit of time. But Shalane was very disciplined and ran a negative split and really showed how successful one can be by starting out very slowly and then just slowly but surely speeding up through the race and allowing yourself to really fly during that last 10K. And that's what she did. So believe in the negative split. It works for, for all of us, even the immortals like Shalane. And conversely, Beattie, um, Beattie was trained. This was a huge goal race for her. And Beattie uh, even went out to uh, California to train from Israel and brought her whole family. And she said she's never been fitter 
she woke up with a sore throat um, the day of Berlin and understandably pushed that aside and, and began her race and just didn't feel right. And uh, later found out after finishing and just not understanding why her body was not able to push more than what she had expected, uh, she was uh, tested positive for COVID. So she was shocked and uh, it's very upsetting and we feel for her so much. It's so disappointed, it's disappointing. And all of us here have experienced this when you train for that one goal race and then something happens out of your control and you're not able to execute on race day. It's certainly not indicative of her fitness or her skill or her training. It's just very bad luck. So, you know, things happen even to the most elite athletes. And some, sometimes you have a great day. Sometimes you don't, but it's, it's no reflection of you as an athlete or a person and, and things happen. So we just want to wish a media, a well wishes or a refuah to her and uh, hoping for her a better race ahead. She certainly deserves it. So speaking of Berlin, this weekend is the London Marathon. So um, that's another one I'm excited to track runners. And I don't plan to do it live because I believe it'll be like 2 or 3 a.m. here. But uh, that'll be very exciting too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, I was gonna, we're going to get into this a little bit in the podcast. But while we've been on the phone, we uh, just received an email from the BAA that allows us to schedule our COVID vaccination um, uh, confirmation time. So just, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that shortly. Um, but you actually go in and go to the medical tent on Friday, Saturday or Sunday, and you schedule, um, you schedule, you pick your time. So we are recommending that folks pick their time early, pick an early time. Once you, as soon as you get there, get that done, get your bracelet so that you can then get into the expo and have that all squared away. Um, it does not look like it's busy. You, you choose an hour time slot. So you select an hour, um, eight to nine, nine to 10, 10 to 11. Um, and it tells you how many spots, it looks like um, about 600 slots are available at each time. And so it tells you like, uh, you know, how, what percent full. So right now they look like they're about 17 to 25% full on Saturday for different time slots. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, you know, you're going to want to make sure you get that done early and uh, get your bracelet so you can head over to the expo. Lisa, should we pause recording for a moment and go ahead and sign up? All right, yeah. let's do it. We're going to pause and we'll okay. be right back. We wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to thank our friends at RNJ Sports for their support. RNJ is our go-to expert on all things running gear related, particularly running shoes. If you've struggled with finding the right shoes, the staff at RNJ can help solve just about any problem or issue. As a small locally owned business, RNJ is heavily involved in and supportive of the local running community. They get runners. They are runners. RNJ has been an enthusiastic supporter of our podcast and our training programs, including our Montgomery County Public Schools program. We are so appreciative of their support. Check them out online at rnj, that's rnjsports.com. All right, we're back. So a little more information. Um, you can pick a, a time and uh, we go and you pick an hour and then you pick a 15 minute increment, but it does say that you are not bound by that time, it just helps them spread out the crowd. So go in, pick a time, try to stick to it to help spread people out. But if you know you're running late or you're early and you you're off that time, I don't think it's going to. It's not you're you're not prevented from uh, doing the verification before or after that time. Yes, good to know. Okay, we're back. So <laughs> so before we uh, delve into our race tips, just a quick shout out to our fellow podcaster Sheree Turner. She, we mentioned this last week as well. She has a great podcast called Strides Forward, and she's doing a series on uh, women Boston marathoners, and it is terrific. Her production is top notch, and we just wanted to give Sheree a shout out. If you are trying to get motivated for Boston or you're interested in running Boston at some point, this is a great listen, um, and Sheree tells great stories, and all of the women are really interesting, dedicated runners, so check it out. It's called Strides Forward. Yeah, even if you're not interested in running a marathon, they're great. They're great. Uh, very inspirational. And, um, and we, uh, uh, you know, in 2019 or 2020, I'm sorry, we were supposed to do a panel discussion uh, with Sheree and some other podcasters that focus on the Boston Marathon. And we were really excited about that. And of course, we know what happened with the 2020 uh, Boston Marathon. So we didn't get to do that. And we're not going to do it this year just because of uh, restrictions on gatherings and, and you know, people aren't uh, likely to want to get together indoors. But hopefully in a future year, we'll be able to do that with her. 
Womp womp, hopefully. So we did our part one of our uh, of our Boston-specific podcast last week. We talked all about um, taper and what we can be doing in the weeks leading up to the race. And we you know, kind of left off the week leading up to the race and um, sort of the day before the race. So the days leading up to the race. So we're going to pick up with that now. And um, that's really what we're heading into now. So we're heading into about a week and a half before the race. So what what can we be doing um, next week? And more specifically, what can we be doing um, as we head up to Boston the day before? And we really want to talk about race day and what that's going to look like and race course strategy. So generally, we'll just go over real quickly, kind of in the week, the days leading up to uh, leaving for Boston. And we talked about this last week. But again, confirm all your logistics, get your bearings straight, make sure all your arrangements are squared away, particularly transportation. And that's a question that came up on our call with our runners about, especially if you're not staying in right in downtown Boston, and how do you get to the buses in the morning? How do you get to the expo? Um, if you're not staying right in downtown Boston, uh, your options um, are, you know, really the um, public transportation is the T. And you can look that up online. You can look up the routes if you're comfortable taking public transportation, um, you know, during the pandemic. That's an option. Um, Ubering cabs are an option. If you are looking to get to the um, buses in the morning from your hotel that may be a little bit farther out, check with your hotel and see if they have a shuttle that um, is going to be taking runners to the commons to get on the buses because a lot of the hotels do have that. But whatever way you're getting around and you're getting to the expo or you're getting to the vaccine verification tent, all of that, um, make sure you um, figure that out ahead of time. Um, right now is when you're gonna wanna start again, continue what we talked about last week, but focusing on sleep, um, hydration, nutrition, all of that good stuff. And really at this point, the most important, the most important uh, thing you can be doing is mental prep. So really starting with that extra time that you have that you're not running, uh, visualization, watching YouTube videos of the course, watching YouTube videos of people's finishes from the past, whatever you can find on the Boston Marathon course, especially even if you have done it before, but especially if you haven't, that really helps with mental um, visualization. And you really want to get into that mindset because your, your body is ready now. And now it all comes down to where your mind is. And that is where you want to spend more time uh, the week leading up to the race. In addition to sleep, because we all know that the night before the race, many of us are not going to sleep well for whatever reason, different, you know, you're in a hotel, you're in a different setting, your nerves, mm -hmm. it will not matter if you've had good sleep in the weeks leading up to the race. So that's really what you want to focus on this coming week. And then um, Julie, why don't you take over kind of like the day before on, on Sunday, um, you know, what, what happens or Saturday and Sunday, once we're in Boston, what are we doing? So awesome. And it's so fun to tour around Boston, be a tourist after the race and really conserve your energy and try not to run around Boston too much. Um, recognizing that we really need every last bit of energy to, to run the race. And the whole reason we're in Boston is to run that race. Uh, if you plan to meet up with people, that's great. Uh, do it while sitting down. And if you plan on going to the expo, minimize your time there. We've talked about that a little bit. You're not going to be missing that much. Uh, expos are very fun and exciting generally, but you don't have to, you don't have to explore the whole thing to get the gist of it. And certainly there are many, many products and, and things to check out. But this year, especially, I just don't get the feeling it's going to be as big as usual. So just limit your time there. It's a lot of walking, even um, when you limit your time there, because it's such a huge event. Uh, if you can over the weekend, uh, enjoy the energy of the city and being around other runners, but at the same time, avoid nervous chatter. It's really easy to get sucked into hearing conversations about what people have done in their training, what they haven't done, uh, what kind of shoes they wear. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it all. And just you do you and know that you are ready and primed for this race and your job over the next 24, 48 hours, depending on how early you get into Boston is to just keep yourself excited for the race, but calm and not use energy unnecessarily to worry and stress. You can be nervous. We always talk about this being nervous is normal and embrace that, but try not to channel that those those nerves into negative energy. And sometimes we tend to do that when we listen to other people. So just cancel out that noise. Um, and as far as eating, it's always tricky when you go to another city. So we really love the fact that where the race uh, convention, where the Heinz Convention Center is located, there's a Trader Joe's across the street. You can go over there and pick up anything you need. And Boston is full. The entire Boylston Street, which is where Heinz is located, is full of healthy, quick outdoor eateries. 
So it, you know, if you like sweet green, you can get a sweet green salad with lots of grains and carbs. If you, there's a ton of like kava chipotle type places where you can make your own bowl and, and figure out the combinations that work for you. So it should be very easy for you to find a very healthy carb heavy, uh, carb portion heavy lunch, um, or dinner to eat, uh, particularly if you are a little bit worried about eating too much at dinner, you can certainly find a really good, hearty, carb-friendly lunch to eat the day before the race. So we always recommend having small meals, especially the day before the race and not carb loading the night before. And probably most of you who are listening to this carefully have run a few marathons and recognize what works for you. So do some legwork in advance to find out where you want to eat and uh, know though that there's plenty of places conveniently located all throughout the city that will allow you to find the foods that you need to perform at your best. Uh, drink electrolytes throughout the day, not as much water, but more electrolytes. We really like things like noon. Noon is a great electrolyte to sip on throughout the day, but sometimes in panic, people tend to overhydrate. Don't do that. So Make sure you just hydrate to thirst and consistently drink, consistently take in electrolytes and uh, nothing wrong with having some salty food the day before. Uh, these will all benefit you on race day, particularly if it's hot and humid, which it may very well be given that we're running this in October. So uh, yeah, those would be my tips for just the day before. Oh, and sleep in, definitely sleep in. There's no need to get up early. You're not gonna miss anything, but don't sleep in too late because for those of you who are interested, we would love, love, love to see you at our shakeout run, which is going to be at the Boston Common in front of Brewer Fountain. Um, we will put that also in our show notes and we will be there at 9 a.m. We would love, love, love to see you and meet many of our listeners who we haven't met yet and then see those who we got to meet at our last podcast meetup in 2019. So please join us at Boston Common in front of Brewer Fountain on Sunday, October 10th for a shakeout run and meet up. Our shakeout run will likely be no more than 20 minutes. We certainly don't want to wear out your legs. And if you don't want to do the shakeout run, you just want to meet up with us. That's great too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, of meetups and, and, you know, kind of the day before Sunday, um, let's talk a little bit about the logistics that are specific um, to Boston. And we alluded to one of them um, before specific to this year at Boston. One is uh, making sure you go to the vaccine verification tent to get your um, wristband that's going to give you admission to the expo, to the start line, to the finish line, to get your medal, you need that wristband. So um, we did just get an email that allows you again to go in and schedule. Um, and you're not committed to that, but let them spread out the crowds, um, schedule your vaccine verification, make sure you have your, a picture of your vaccine card that you're going to show, you have your photo ID. Um, I always think it's a good idea to email yourself backups of those or email them to friends or family in case your phone decides not to work that day or something happens. Um, have some backups, either hard copies or again, email it, text it to yourself, text to somebody else that's going to be in town with you that can show it if you can't. Um, and just have that all, all um, squared away. So we count that into your, you know, your routine for either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday um, at some point doing that. Again, trying to do that earlier just to get that out of the way. Um, so that's, um, you know, that's an important thing to do. And like you mentioned, the expo um, really, uh, you know, to kind of being strategic about the expo. In past years, the expo was really, really crowded on Saturday and Sunday, pretty much all day, but particularly when it opens first thing. And, um, you know, again, throughout the day, but uh, we would recommend now kind of getting that done quickly and early, getting your getting your um, bib. When you walk, when you go in, it's very organized. You'll go in, um, bibs are arranged by, uh, by number, order, you know, range, number range. Um, when you get your bib, you will also get a clear plastic bag that is going to be used for bag check. If you want to check a bag on Monday morning, you'll check it um, before you get on the buses. That would be your you know, bag of things you want when you finish the race. Could be dry clothing, could be some slide-on shoes. I know I'm going to put my UFOs in there because they feel really good to walk in after a marathon, but dry socks, anything you want. Um, remember, you're going to be sweaty and wet when you finish and it may be a while before you get back to your hotel. So anything you may want in that check bag, that's going to come with the, the, the expo when you get your bag, um, when you get your bib number. And the bib is also going to be in or have a um, court plastic baggie with it. And that's your bag for your items that go on the bus with you. So if you're going to be taking some nutrition or whatever you might be taking, um, you know, backpacks and big bags are not allowed on the bus, nor would 
would you want to bring them because you're going to be leaving them in Hopkinton. Um, but, um, but you know, that plastic baggie that you get is what technically you're supposed to put all your stuff in to, to take on the bus. Um, so that's what you're going to get when you go to the expo. And really, once you get that, if you want to hang around and see things, that's great. Um, we recommend just kind of doing a quick once through and getting out. Um, we do know that um, especially like the Adidas official gear is sold at spots throughout the city. Like you'll see them pop up kind of pop up shops outside, particularly where the medical tent is this year for vaccine verification in the past, they've had an outdoor um, little shop where you can buy things. So if you don't feel like standing around inside in the expo, there should be other places. Um, there are other stores in the area. There's um, Marathon Sports is down the street. That's a big hub of Boston Marathon gear. So you can always hop in there instead to see if there's something there. So there are um, you know, stores and other opportunities uh, on Boylston Street and, and nearby to stock up on all that stuff that you get at the expo if you're not wanting to hang around and waste energy at the expo. Consider ordering it on Reading Warehouse. Uh, it's a lot easier. And, and I mean, we're, we're superstitious. We wouldn't wear our jacket before the race anyway. That's just us. But um, certainly you'll see lots of people walking around in past year's jackets and definitely secure yours, but make sure um, if you can do it before the expo even and just do it online because it's a lot easier and often um, sizes run out quickly, especially the smaller sizes. Yeah. And let's hit on that for new runners too. That's kind of the a thing at Boston is to wear your jacket typically from the first year that you ran the race. So once you get into, Bo it's kind of fun when you get to the airport, wherever you are, if you're flying into Boston, if you're flying, I know from DC when we're flying or wherever you're flying from, when you get to your flight, that's going into Boston, inevitably you'll start to see some Boston marathon jackets on your flight. And that's always fun. And it's a fun conversation starter to say, Hey, you're going up the marathon. And what year did you run it first? And you get to hear marathon stories. It's kind of the start of the whole experience of marathon weekend, which for me is unique to Boston. Like when you go to the New York city marathon, not everybody is like all about the marathon and knows that the marathon's going on. And it's not all marathon centric. Um, even like Chicago wasn't like that, but Boston it's like, the whole city turns into marathon weekend and is really into it. So um, wearing the jacket from your first year is kind of a, like a tradition. And you'll, like I said, you'll start to see, um, see those jackets pop up. And then as soon as you hit Boston all over the jackets, that's always fun, fun to see everybody in their jackets. All right. So I think we've pretty much covered the day before the race. So let's get to the morning of the race. Yeah, one thing I wanted to back up and mention to you just also, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but to download the BAA app onto your phone before you head up there for the weekend, it's going to have a lot of information on there. It's going to have your bib number and all of that, but it's good to have it have tracking, not always reliable, but I'll have that. So um, yeah, so um, so yeah, so the day before, again, we, we went through everything, uh, make sure you make your arrangements for your dinner. Um, before you go up there, figure out where you're going to get, are you going to take it out, bring it to your hotel, you're going to eat somewhere, make sure you make those arrangements so you're not scrambling around at the last minute. We would recommend, typically we recommend eating dinner early, um, so you can kind of get back to your hotel and get to bed early. With the later start for Boston, there's a little bit more flexibility, but we still recommend, I know we always do dinner um, pretty, pretty early. So make sure you've had that dinner early, get back to your hotel. And, and get to sleep so that you, oh, sorry, you're gonna say something else? What do you think is early? Like we haven't talked about this, but I'm thinking like six work for you. Yep, is that what you're thinking perfect. too? That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. Six is good. Cause then we're done yeah. by like seven 30 or so we get back to the hotel. Um, and, and it, it, one of the benefits of this year for Boston is that the buses are leaving. Uh, we're leaving on the buses a little bit later than normal. So it's kind of nice to be able to sleep in just a little bit. We're not waking up at four o'clock in the morning to get out so um, nice. to get on the buses. So that is nice. So, um, and, and don't stress if you can't sleep or, you know, you can't, um, you don't sleep well that night. Again, if you've slept well leading up to it, it's okay. Um, make sure you've set your alarms. You set a backup call, you know, the, the uh, call from the, you know, the wake up call, you set your watch, your alarm, whatever it is, have some backups. You will be up in time. Don't worry. You're, you know, everyone's on edge and probably up a couple hours early, but um, set those alarms. Um, and when you wake up, you know, already before you um, head up there, kind of having your mind, your timeline for the morning. So depending on what time, again, this is going to be a different year. In the past, what we've recommended is a couple breakfasts because really you're up super early. You're taking the bus, you're waiting around for a couple hours, and then you're running. Now we're going to be up, get on a bus where we have to wear a mask and get off the bus and within 20, 30 minutes be running. So it's a little bit different this year. And um, what we think is the best approach is as soon as you wake up in the morning, eating a good size breakfast, eating um, uh, you know, a good amount of, of your breakfast, um, whatever it is that you're used to, nothing new, something easily digestible. Um, we like single serve oatmeal cups 
think they're the Quaker like harvest blends that have just a really high amount of carbs. It's like 50 some odd grams of carbs in one cup. So it's easy ser serving size, not super heavy. 59 grams. 59 grams of carbs. That's great. Um, so, um, so that is, um, you know, uh, that's something we like, but whatever you like, make sure you're having that breakfast, um, plan your start according, plan your timeline according to your predicted start. So, um, you can look on the website and see what time your bus is boarding. And they're actually in the um, participant guide. There is a time frame of um, uh, expected arrival in Hopkinton for each each color, each kind of bib color, and expected start time. So if you're like for me, I'm boarding the bus at eight. It says my buses are expected to arrive between eight fifty and nine ten or nine twenty, and that the expected start time is like nine twenty four to nine fifty four. So it's like a thirty minute window of expected time, something like that. So I can know that. I will probably start around 9.30. So backing that up, I definitely want to finish my breakfast by 7.38. So I give myself a couple, you know, two and one and a half to two hours before. Maybe I'll save a little something extra to eat um, be right before I get on the buses at eight. But um, but that's, you know, I'm going to want to be done pretty much with my breakfast by, by the time I get on the bus. And I think that's probably a pretty good guidance for everybody. Same kind of time frame is that you'll have about an hour and a half by the time you get on the bus till you get off. So um, that's when you want to finish anyway. And because we're going to be wearing masks on the bus and you are going to be eating and drinking on the bus, finishing right as you get onto the bus is probably a good idea. So if you're at a hotel that's walking distance or you're taking a shuttle in or you're taking an Uber in, again, having to plan accordingly, but maybe you get to the commons a little early and you bring your breakfast and you finish there before you get before you get on the bus. But um, really, when you first wake up is when you want to start stocking those glycogen stores and getting them getting that food into you. With respect to how to divide your breakfast, for me, I'm going to eat the primary part of my breakfast, which is set oatmeal, as soon as I wake up, and then part two of my breakfast, which will likely consist of some type of uh, cliff bar, I will have that en route to the bus um, or while waiting in, the com in Boston Common. So that's my plan. And then because I just want to feel secure, I will bring with me on the bus a banana or just something else to top off my glycogen glycogen stores probably won't end up eating it but if I feel like I haven't had enough I'll I'll sneak a little bit of banana on the bus and uh try and finish up all of my fueling one hour before I start my race within one hour yeah with the exception if you're somebody who's like is used to taking a gel um right before you start the race then that's a good idea is bring an extra gel with you and once you get off the bus and right you know as you're getting warmed up or you're standing in the porta potty line, that's when you can take that too. So, you know, certainly, and I kind of in the same line as you, like same thing, I'm going to do that first breakfast when I first wake up, bring a cliff bar with me and I'll probably bring a second cliff bar because I like to sometimes just take a bite of something right before I get started anyway, just to like stave off that feeling of like, oh no, I'm hungry already. Yes. <laughs> and it's worked for me. So if it's worked, you know, again, if it's worked for you, um, do that. One thing you're going to want to pay attention to is the drinking um, because, uh, you know, just using the porta potties, the, the, the ride to Hopkinton is it does take quite some time it can take 45 50 minutes even up to an hour once traffic gets bad so um you know timing your bathroom stops accordingly um you making sure you use your bathroom before you leave your house or your um or your hotel and then there are porta potties at Boston Common so using them there maybe before you get on the bus um so that you're not dying on the bus and having to use <laughs> having to pee really badly <laughs> when you get off the bus but and then as soon as you get off the bus there will be many, many, many porta potties in several locations. And if you look at the start area map in the participant guide, you'll see where they show that they are. There may be more than that, but there actually is a group of porta potties that are closer to the start. If you make your way down toward the start before it takes a right to head to the start line on the left side, I think it's a CVS and a big parking lot, and they put hundreds and hundreds of porta potties there. So if you make your way down there, the lines might be a little bit shorter. Um, but in, in a nutshell, make sure you're um, thinking about that because you're going to be sitting on the bus for a long time and we're all trying to hydrate and really having to pee really badly while you're sitting in traffic and waiting to get to Hoppington is very uncomfortable. The worst, but you know what else is the worst? And I haven't missed this about racing. I hate port. I hate the whole port potty thing. I freaking hate it. But anyway, um, I digress. Use the port potties Don't pee in the lawns because that is just bad so form. Bad form. I, I will tell them quickly my story. One of my, this is from many years ago before, um, before there was such a kind of, um, P enforcement, but, uh, we were on the, we were on the bus on the way to the start and, uh, from, from Boston Commons to Hopkinton and the traffic really can get backed up. So if you're on a later bus, you know, you will be sitting in some traffic as buses are dropping off and unloading. And we were stuck in some traffic for, for quite some time. And 
uh, we saw somebody stand up and go up to the bus driver and kind of whisper in the ear and the bus driver nodded, nodded their, his or her head, I don't remember, and opened the bus door as we were sitting there in traffic. And the person got off the bus, went to the side of the bus in the grass and just started peeing. And I was like appalled, like, oh my gosh, how's that person just going peeing in front of and then all this people, sudden, other all these people on the bus started standing up and running out of the bus, going, "Great idea, great idea!" And all of a sudden, half the bus was outside the bus, like peeing on the side of the road. And I thought <laughs> this was my first Boston. It was like my second marathon, my first Boston. I thought, do runners have no shame? Um, but no, you know, they really just had to go. So just lesson moral of the story: think about that, plan accordingly. Especially if you're someone who knows that you've got a small bladder and you've got to go a lot. Try to go right before you get on the buses and the porta potties in Boston Common, and then um, I think it's going to be harder to drink on the buses because we've got masks on and we may not feel like taking, but, you know, make sure you're well hydrated getting onto that bus because um, again, you're not, you may not be drinking for that hour before the race. So um, bring, bring a bottle of water, Gatorade, whatever it is with you so that when you get off the bus, you can have that before you get started. Yeah. I'm actually going to bring two bottles of water. I'm going to bring on the bus in addition to that little bit of food to top me off. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to bring one bottle of electrolytes to drink, um, as I normally would. And then I'm going to bring with me a second bottle that I'm going to carry with me, uh, to the start for the start of the race. And I recommend this for anyone who gets a little anxious about water stops. The first couple of water stops at any race tend to be a little bit more congestion congested as people sort of get into the rhythm. So if you want to skip the first couple of water stops and use your own disposable water bottle, highly recommend carrying one with you. So that would mean bringing two water bottles on the bus, one for consumption before the race and one for consumption during the race, uh, both disposable, of course. And, you know, one point I'd like to make is when you get off the buses in Hopkinton, because it's a rolling start, what's really nice is I know so many of us have been in a situation where you get in line to use the bathrooms and then you're looking at your watch. You're like, do I have time to stand in this line? Because the gun's going to go off any second. Well, we have a rolling start, so yeah. we can kind of relax. And Silver I, I, linings. That's gold. I mean, my gosh, I even just recently at Cherry Blossom, I got to that race so early, but the lines were pretty long and I was in that line right before the race started and it made me and all the other women waiting pretty anxious. So just knowing that we don't have that hard start is, is really makes it a little bit easier. Now we're not saying to just like hang out in Hopkinton as long as you need, we still have to plan to start within a half hour of getting off the bus. It's going to be really hard. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not ready to start yet. No, I'm not ready. I'm uh, not ready yet. Uh, let me just wait five more minutes. Let me just wait. No, I'm not ready yet. Like that actually, I'm worried that I'm going to be like, get to the start and be like, turn around and be like, no, 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 not yet. yet. <laughs> I just need somebody to push me across the start and say, just go, because that's going to be really, um, I think it's going to be challenging for me. Um, so I want to do mention um, before we get too far into the course that on the way to the buses, make sure if you are checking a bag, for the finish line, which we highly recommend you do, that you put, that you chuck the bag on, on the way to the buses, if you're coming um, actually down Boylston Street toward um, toward the park uh, and toward the buses, there are a line of school buses where you will check your, um, your, your uh, plastic bag that has your post-race, anything you want for post-race. And we recommend, um, again, dry clothes, slip, slip on shoes, dry socks, anything that you feel like you may need. Now, we talked about this with our runners on the call, um, the other day, uh, running with phone. Um, so if you are not going to run with your phone, it'd be a good idea to check it in that bag. Um, they are safe. They obviously tell you not to check valuables, but uh, we recommend having your phone at the finish line at the very least. So I would turn my phone off and check it so you're not losing battery power. Um, but check, you know, that that's something you can check. Um, some Many people like to run with their phones and especially after 2013 and the explosions at the finish line and the problems people had getting in touch with loved ones. Um, a lot of people say, well, now I run with my phone. Some people like to want take pictures, you know, at the start line, if you're, you don't have your phone with you, um, you can't get pictures. Uh, some people want to bring their phone. So um, bottom line, if you're comfortable running with your phone, it's just one more thing to put on you. And if you have an easy place to carry it, certainly can carry your phone. But if you don't carry it, we'd recommend checking it in that bag. So anything, again, that you feel like you may need at the finish line, um, check in that bag before you get on onto the buses in the morning. Yeah. So now we have gotten to the start line. As we just mentioned, there will be no on your marks, get set, go. It's just going to be you do you and you go when you want. So uh, that means it's going to take a little bit of visualization before the race to picture yourself doing it this way. It's really not a big deal, but if you're someone that generates energy from a crowd and from that 
on your market set go, look at this as a benefit because the strategy for Boston, which you've talked about so much on this podcast, is to not start out too fast. So this is a great opportunity to remember to stay calm and to really conserve as you start running the race. So as soon as you are ready after using said porta potties and topping off your energy stores, if you choose to do that with a gel or, or a chew right before you start, and you have your disposable water bottle with you and all of your nutrition, and if applicable, your phone, you're going to go. So now we are running the race and uh, we're going to talk about strategy for Boston. And we wanted to provide everyone here with some keywords to remember for each segment of the race. So uh, the worst thing you could do at the Boston Marathon or any marathon is start out too fast. And uh, you may think that you are the exception because you are running this course that feels so glorious. It's downhill. It's not a steep downhill. So it feels extra easy because you're not really pounding the first few miles. It's just a gentle downhill. The crowds are amazing. The people around you are so happy who are running with you. And you are just like, this is amazing. I don't know what people are talking about. I am so ready for this race and I'm going to crush this. Calm down and just conserve and run at a reasonable goal pace. In fact, we would suggest running slower than your goal marathon pace. If you absolutely possibly can't, and you feel like it is just too hard for you to run slower than your goal marathon pace, you better not be running faster than your goal marathon pace. That's for sure. If you look at your watch and you are slow it down, slow your roll. It will bite you later. So run at least at your goal marathon pace, but we would suggest 10 to 20 seconds at least slower than your goal marathon pace. And that is for the first 5K at least. And uh, so we would say for the first 10K, use the word in your head, conserve. Just conserve energy. This is a time to settle in. It's a time to think about your nutrition. We recommend nutrition every 35 minutes. Uh, do what you've been doing in training though. Don't change things up now. If that's not what you've been doing, you've listened to enough of our episodes to know what we recommend for nutrition, but really think about getting in the fluids and getting in your nutrition, which your body will be able to absorb a lot more efficiently while you are conserving during that first quarter of the race. So then we get into the second part of the race. Let me just add one more thing about that first part. Um, so many times I found myself doing this and I know we've talked to runners who've done this, who go out and they say, it feels easy. I feel like this is the easiest thing in the world. My heart rate's low. I can talk. And this is great. And you look down at your watch and you're 20 seconds per mile faster than your goal pace. And you think, ah, 20 seconds, not so much. Okay. I'll bank, you know, a couple minutes in the first six miles, that sort of thing. And it feels easy. It is going to feel easy because of the adrenaline of race day. Your brain, when you are out on a race course and the excitement kicks in and the competition kicks in, you have other people around you, your brain is able to tolerate more discomfort than you can by yourself in training. It's just, it's proven. There are studies that show our brains to tolerate a higher level of discomfort. And that is what happens. And I find myself that every year I say, okay, I'm going to go out at whatever pace and it's going to be super easy. And I go out and I say, I'm going slow. This is so nice. And I look down, I'm like, Ooh, I'm not, I'm like 30 seconds per mile faster. And then a little part of my brain thinks, yeah, but it feels easy. Like maybe today's my day and I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to crush this court. That is like, don't let yourself fall into that trap of no, it feels easy. Well, it feels easy because your brain is on drugs. <laughs> your brain is on adrenaline. <laughs> it feels easy because you're hyped up and if that's okay, but your muscles aren't used to that. Your muscles are going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm burning glycogen way faster than I'm used to. I'm going out way faster. And you're going to get to mile 17, 18, 19, 20, and things are going to start to shut down. And you are going to have to pay back all of that little bit of time you banked that like, you know, two minutes, three minutes, whatever it was that you banked in the first six, eight, 10 miles, you're going to pay it back because you're going to start walking. And if you have to walk for five minutes, just five minutes, and it's probably not just five minutes, you have to start walking, you're going to pay all of that back. So again, we talk about conserve, but really conserve, like pay attention to the, to the pace. And what we do for our runners is we actually map out three mile benchmarks, elapsed time benchmarks. So if we know that your race pace should be eight minutes per mile, that's your total, you know, your average over the course of the race, we may say, okay, at mile three, you want to be at 2430 to 25 minutes, because that would be about an 810. It's a little bit slower than goal pace. So, you know, map out where you think you should be at three miles, six miles, nine, 12, half, you know, throughout the race and check if write those on your arm, write them on a pace band. If you want, I don't love, um, 
looking at each mile because, you know, again, with the Boston course, you may have a little bit faster down, a little bit slower up. But if you look at the average over three miles and you say, okay, in that first three miles, I'm supposed to be at 25 minutes. I'm at 2330. Ooh, I went out a little bit fast. I have now the next three miles to get myself back on course. And it doesn't mean any abrupt change. So you don't have to say like, ah, my next mile needs to be nine minutes. And you know, it's not that abrupt change, but it gives you kind of that breathing space of three miles to say, okay, by the next time, by the time I hit six, I now better be at 50 minutes when I get to six. So that now gives me 25 minutes to get to the next. And you can basically then take that like a little bit of breather, a little bit of step back. So that's what we like to do is to map that out. And those, I think, and we're talking about this first 10 K and this first conserve, really having those benchmarks and knowing at mile three, like, Ooh, yeah, I went out too fast. I got to dial it back. It's not too late to fix it at mile three. Um, it'll be too late to fix it at about mile six or mile nine, if you've gone out that fast. So um, that's kind of what we like versus getting too obsessed or too focused on the per mile or instantaneous what you're doing. It's kind of looking at those bigger chunks. Talk about going out too slow. You really can't go out too slow. In fact, if it's a day where the dew point feels extra high to you personally, maybe you're someone that didn't train in, the, in much humidity over the summer and you feel a little bit of humidity and you feel like you're working a little harder than you should no problem. Slow it down a little bit. And, you know, often throughout the Boston course, the weather changes 50 times. So it's quite possible that the humidity will feel a lot less impactful later in the race. So just, you can't go out too slow, but you can't go out too fast. So the next segment of the race, uh, we can say it's around mile eight is to, uh, think about maintaining. So mile eight through 16 or 17 is just it's a really fun part of the race. You've gotten your groove. You're going through Wellesley. It's really exciting. Um, there's no market parts that are super difficult and you're just kind of coasting along and it's wonderful because you'll reach the halfway point. You'll hopefully feel really good. And then you've got a few more miles after the halfway point to really congratulate yourself for not going out too fast. When you go through Wellesley and the tunnel of screams, it's so fun. Make sure to enjoy it, but really try not to surge. Try not to, to do anything too crazy. You can still enjoy the moment and take it all in, but try not to exert a lot of energy and um, try to be enthusiastic, but do it in a way that will not impact uh, your uh, energy output. So as you continue along the race course and make it through Wellesley, you're going to get to around mile 16, you're going to make a right. It's the only turn on the course until the very end, you're gonna make a right on the Commonwealth. And that's where you enter the town of Newton. And it's wonderful in the sense that the, the people of Newton are so gracious and welcoming. <laughs> they welcome you to their town <laughs> of Four Hills. <laughs> so we're gonna give you a keyword for that town and it's gonna be even effort. So uh, it's not maintained, it's two really words, hard. But, you know, it's two words, yeah. but, <laughs> or two words. Two words, even effort, and uh, it's going to be hard to maintain. And probably the most counterproductive thing you can do in Newton is to stare at your watch and watch your pace suddenly become much slower than the previous uh, 16, 17 miles. And often that can really get in your head. You can look at your Garmin and you can say, oh, I'm blowing it. I'm slowing down. That's it. No, that's not it. Everyone slows down in Newton. That's part of the race. It's okay. Don't charge up the hill trying to maintain your pace. Use even effort. Get yourself up those four hills and know that these are no steeper than any hill you've run in your training. It's just the placement of the hills that make it difficult. Conversely, don't try and make up for going up the hills by slamming down the hills. Even effort. Stay calm. Use good form going down the hills. Lean into the hills and allow the hills to push you down, but don't try to pound down those hills. Your quads will pay for it. And when you start to feel depleted a little bit or just a little bit discouraged because you see your pace slowing down, remember that this is an opportunity to use different muscles, which you really need at this point because you've been going slightly downhill for, for several miles. And after the hills are over, you get the opportunity to go slightly downhill for the remaining five miles of the race. So Play Newton right by staying positive and exerting even effort. And of course, taking in your nutrition and uh, taking in your hydration and really use the crowds around you. And if you see someone who's struggling, 
take your energy and, and pay it forward and encourage them and say, come on, you can do it. I can't tell you how many times people have done that for me and Newton said, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. And wow, that really helps because it's, it's a tough part of the race. No doubt about it. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, it makes, if you're encouraging the person next to you, that kind of gives you that positive energy too. And, um, and like you said, it's really, um, I try to ignore my watch and I focus on on one at a time, one climb at a time. They are not terribly long. They feel long, but they're really, you can reach the top of each of them. And it's really just even effort. And that's what I repeat to myself is steady, 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 even effort, you know, and I don't look at my watch either. You know, once I get to the last and, and, um, you know, I know for the first several times I ran Boston, I was always confused at how many there were, which one was I on? This has to be heartbreak hill, right? I just made it to the top. And then I see another hill coming like, no, there will, you will know, there will be signs. <laughs> you made it to, you know, lots of spectators out. Congratulations. You made it to the top of heartbreak hill. Once you hit that, we're going to move on to our next keyword. And that is push because then you've really, if you've done it right and you've gone out, you've conserved, you've maintained you've held that even effort, that's when you can open up and you can push because it is a net downhill from there. Um, the winds may pick up a little bit at that point as you start getting into the city, um, the winds may pick up a little bit. Um, so that may be something, you know, one of the, like you said, the, the conditions change along the entire course and the weather can change. As you start getting into the city, it starts actually getting a little bit cooler and um, the winds can pick up a little bit, but generally you're kind of home free after that. And if you've played the game right, that's when you can start to push and you can start to, um, you know, look forward to getting to that, those, that final, those final turns on the course and the stretch down Boylston, you will start to see the sit go sign at what feels like um, a million miles away from it. And it will still loom in the, in the, in the distance for a very long time. But just when you start to see those sites, um, as you get closer to the finish about mile 24, 23, 24, the crowds on the sidelines will start to really, um, get really dense. You start going through a lot of the college students are out there partying. You may see them offering beer. Um, I would suggest resisting that until, until after you cross the finish line, but Hey, if that's your thing, then, you know, grab a beer. But, um, the, the, the excitement really starts to pick up once you get closer to about 23, 24 miles. And um, you can just start to feel, hopefully you're in a position at that point, again, if you followed sort of that pattern of conserve, maintain, even effort, push, that you really can start to let the, 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 the energy of the crowds push you forward. It's almost like the screaming and the, the energy of the crowd really just propels you forward. Um, so the last couple of miles, last mile of the course, you're going to go dip down underneath a bridge. You're like an overpass. Come back up the other side. That hill will feel like a little bit of a hill at that point because you're really you're fatigued, but you know that you've got one right on Hereford coming up and a left on Boylston. And at that point, you want to just experience it. Like if it shortens your finish time by 30 seconds to slow it down and experience that stretch, I will always remember the first time I took that right on Hereford and the left on Boylston. And it's it's such a like it gives me chills to think about it now. That feeling, soak it in, like experience it, take it in, look around you. No matter what has happened in your race, if you've had a better race than you thought, a worse race than you thought, like if you had struggled earlier on in the course, take that time um, and soak it all in. And once you take that left on Boylston, um, it's it's a pretty long stretch. It's not um you know it's not terribly long, but it's longer. It's always longer than I think it is to get to the finish line, but that's it. That's where you just soak in the glory. It's like, you know, you get to be a rock star for a day and that is your, you've earned that finish and, um, you know, smile, get yourself ready for the camera. Lots of cameras, lots of the um, official course marathon, you know, the photos at the finish. So get yourself ready to celebrate that finish. Um, cross that finish line, keep moving. Once you cross the finish line, do not stop abruptly. And, and it's designed, the finish is designed to keep you moving and you will have to walk for quite some time, but that is on purpose because you want to keep moving after you finish. Uh, you're going to cross that finish line and walk through um, many stations of first there's medical. It'll make sure check you out, make sure you're not falling over. If you need medical attention, they'll pull you off the course and get you some help. You'll walk through um, mylar blankets, water, your metals, um, you need your wrist bracelet for all of that. So make sure you've got that. You know, that's something you're going to need all uh, weekend long from the expo to getting on the buses, to getting to the start line, to crossing the start line, to crossing the finish line and getting your medal. Um, keep walking. You will eventually get to the buses where you'll pick up your bag. Um, keep walking past that. Now, one thing that they have not had, they actually do have, I think, one tent at some some point. I've never used it, but there is a changing tent, I think, at some point. But it's kind of hard to find usually. So a lot of times what we'll do is um, just get to some, uh, you know, some other area behind a bus or some kind of private area where we can we have no get shame. a little bit of 
little privacy and quickly, you know, slip on some 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 dry clothes. But um, keep moving. Have a plan for meeting up. If you have people that you're meeting up with, have a plan. It is kind of organized chaos there. So there is a family meetup area. I, I personally think that's actually really hard to meet up with people in the family meetup area because that's where everyone is going. So it can be really crowded and hard to find people. If that's the easiest thing for you, great. If you have another designated meeting spot that you can find that you can arrange beforehand with your family that's past where the um, security fences are for the finish line. So maybe down closer to the um, to the gardens, maybe in front of a, a restaurant, in front of a, you know, some 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 landmark um, maybe easier. Uh, we talked on our call on Monday about spectators and we always recommend it is possible to spectate this course. It's easiest if you have a car and you head out to kind of some of the earlier spots in Framingham or Wellesley or Newton. Um, the finish line is a really hard, hard place to um, to meet up or to see your runner or to meet up with your with your family. So really have that plan. If you did not stay at a hotel that's walking distance, um, have your plan for how you're going to get back. It can be challenging getting cabs, you know, streets are closed. Getting cabs can be hard. Um, the T can be pretty straightforward, depending on which direction you're going and how crowded it is. Um, in past years, the T has let all marathon runners ride for free. So you just kind of, you get to go right on the T and can get right back to your hotel if that's a straight shot. So if that's an option, um, I would pack a mask in my drive bag check at the end. So you've got a mask if you're gonna be using public transportation or otherwise need it for, for public transportation. Um, I'd make sure I had some cash in that bag at the end too, just in case, again, most of, you know, a cabs or if you're taking an Uber, you can obviously do electronic payment. But if for some reason you need that cash to have a little bit of extra cash in there is a good idea, but have your plan ahead of time for meeting up with people um, and how you're going to get back to your hotel. And, and another point in the hotels is if you've had to check out of your hotel, we do this a lot. We only stay until Monday, we leave Monday evening. So we check out of the hotel Monday morning when we leave, um, they will usually allow you to leave your bags, obviously they're checked with the concierge or the bag check bag claim, um, but ask them if they have facilities after for um, taking a shower after. Now, every year until last year, right, Julie, or until two years ago, every year, every hotel I've ever stayed in has had some arrangements. One had an arrangement with a nearby YMCA that you could go in and shower. One let us use their spa facilities that had showers. One set um, several rooms aside, like four or five rooms aside to let runners come in and just kind of take turns in the room showering. Um, so it, some would let you go back into your room. They just had, had different arrangements. Each hotel had some sort of arrangement. Um, last two years ago, our hotel did not have any accommodations. So, and I anticipate this year with COVID, it may even be more restricted. So we kind of did a like wipe down shower in the public bathrooms, I think, and sort of got ourselves cleaned up enough to get to the airport. But that's another another kind of logistics to take care of beforehand, talk to your hotel, see if they have any kind of arrangements for you. Um, I know some people who are members of certain um, like uh, Lifetime or um, Sports Club Boston, or you know some of the gyms up there do have, will let people come in as guests, you know, again, if you're a member in another city. So that's another option, but figure out how you're gonna get, if you're not staying that night, how you're gonna get cleaned up so you can get to the airport or wherever you need to get. Uh, advanced apologies to any non-marathoner who's flying on Monday, October 11th in the evening. <laughs> yeah, stinky so, marathoners that didn't yeah. get to shower on your on your flight, and we're all wearing our medals obnoxiously. And that's the other thing is wear your medal around. Everyone wears them. They wear them for probably a couple of days up in Boston. But um, I always love, uh, uh, you know, wearing. It's so fun. You wear it to the airport, and the TSA officials are all really nice and want to, you know, congratulate you and help you get through the TSA line fast. Everyone at the um, on the airlines. We, we've had some really great experiences, like on JetBlue, where they brought us like bags of ice while we were on the plane, so we could put ice on our legs and um, giving us extra, you know, pretzels or whatever. Like, just everyone's super nice and in such a great mood. So wear your medal. Wear it proudly. Wear it when you get home. Like it's okay to wear your Boston medal for a day and say at least maybe two. Absolutely. Wear it to your zoom meeting on Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that pretty, that was a very thorough uh, discussion of the Boston marathon uh, course and certainly got me very pumped and excited, Lisa. And we will have some additional last minute tips next week. But in the meantime, uh, if anyone has any questions or any comments, feel free to email us at julianlisa at runfarthernfaster.com. And we just want to give a shout out to all of our amazing runners that we are coaching for fall marathons 
including Boston and beyond. We've got a lot of runners doing Chicago that weekend, several doing wine glass this weekend, so many marathons coming up. We're just so proud of you all. And we're so honored to coach all of you through a very unusual training cycle. And you've all done the work and now it's time to celebrate. So with that, we'll sign off for this week. We hope that everyone has a great week. Lisa, I hope you have a great week at Taper. And I look forward to spending next weekend with you. I'm so excited that we're going to be back. Woo! Bye. Bye, Julie. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others. And please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.